superstar Lila's story. Happy holidays, gladiators! Here is a special gift to you in your feed during the off-season. Sorry the off-season's going on so long, but it's not another reissue of Special Christmas, though I do really recommend making that episode a part of your whole holiday tradition. Um, it's a beautiful redemption tale. And today we have another kind of redemption arc of sorts, and the person being redeemed, in my eyes at least, is notorious rich bitch Lila Fowler. Um, who also happens to be one of the most popular favorite characters in the series based on things that people have tweeted at me. I think that popularity might be due in large part to this book, uh, which is kind of amazing. So with me to address that question and of course discuss the book itself and the majesty, the purple mountain's majesty, that feels sexist or like uh, objectification? Um, Can I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Well, the book is purple. So. The book is purple. Lila is like the original like purple unicorn or whatever, unicorn club. <laughs> um, <laughs> it means something to me. Anyway, I, uh, I won't put off the introduction anymore. It's another person named Marissa. Hello. All, all your Marissas here together. Marissa Wasalik. Hello. Hello, Marissa. Hello, Marissa. <laughs> So happy to be here. Thank you for choosing me to read Lila's story with you. Well, we were uh, having an outdoor coffee co-working session, as you do, uh, in Los Angeles. <laughs> and today it's indoor. Today it's, today we're indoors. This is the first recording I've had in my beautiful uh, studio in some time. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's been remote stuff or like other people's homes, um, but I'm happy to have you here obviously. Long-time listeners may recognize Marissa's name or voice. La la la. <laughs> Singing voice as well. I don't know if you sang uh, in any of your previous episodes. No, this could be the first. <laughs> but you have been our resident um, expert on the Porter family, um, and you may continue that should the Porter girls come up again, but Julie and Joanna Porter, uh, if anybody listening doesn't know who that is, no big surprise. They're not super major characters. Musical geniuses. Yeah, the Porter family in general. And computer geniuses. Yeah, I think it was jo well. Joanna. Joanna decided to... She was less musical, but really into science. Yes. But she programmed a music um, um, program. She programmed for, a music on, program. Yeah, on, so, so that makes her musical in a way. Yeah, yeah you know. It all uh, came together nicely. Yeah. Okay. What episode was that? Listeners need to rewind. Um, to, it's going to be it was like, book like 19. 40, <laughs> like a 19 and like a 40, I feel like. Yeah. I was just listening to 47 is the last time you were here. Okay. So now when the new season starts, we're going to be on book 61. Okay. And this is a special edition. This is a special edition, and it, but it falls pretty much right where we are, the very end of 1989. Think back. <laughs> and um, when, so we were having our, okay, back to the story. We were having our coffee co-working outdoor time here in beautiful Silver Lake. And you mentioned that this was a book, Superstar Lila's Story. It was a book that you remembered from your girlhood. That I wrote fan fiction about ah. because I loved Lila so much. Let's pause a moment and talk about representation in children's literature. Please. <laughs> because I was, I, in my little hometown of Lake Zurich, Illinois, um, all I read was Sweet Valley High. Mm -hmm. I was like nine, I think. And I was like all about Sweet Valley Twins. And then I was all about Sweet Valley High. Because of Lila. Because I would hear 
all about these beautiful blonde girls who are with their crystal blue eyes. And um, I and I wanted to be blonde because I was reading all about the Sweet Valley Twins. I was watching, you know, I grew up watching Rainbow Bright, She-Ra. Everybody was blonde, blue eyes. Yeah. And then there was Lila, the dark beauty. And, um, it, and you know, growing up in, um, you know, suburban Illinois, there weren't a lot of Asian people, especially like half Asian people. So like, I got a lot of yeah. what are you? Um, mm. and, and it meant a lot to be like, oh, someone with dark hair and dark eyes is the main character of the story. And I didn't realize how big of a deal it was until now. Now it's a thing like where people are, are like, we have to make um, minorities protagonists of the story so that right. kids can see themselves. And I, I didn't really realize how important it was. Um, and I I really got into Sweet Valley because I wanted more Lila, even though Lila's kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's, um, I, that's so interesting. It's like an important perspective. And it's something that I feel like is another facet to a story that we're hearing that I have kind of been learning over the course of this podcast and talking to all different people with different experiences with the books. Um, but, you know, all different kinds of people, um, for different reasons, I think, love Lila. And um, this book makes you root for her even when she's being terrible, even when she's making bad choices. It's like, like, she's a manipulative... <laughs> the story <laughs> comes back around to make it all be for good, uh, you know? And even in the end, but we'll get so there. So she's the hero of the story, even though she doesn't stop being Lila Fowler, you know? Oh, yeah, she's Lila Fowler, Lila. 100%. This character who throughout the series is basically only trotted out to, like, show how rich people can be in this neighborhood. Most of the time, because these books always have the Wakefield twins at their core, a really, really common theme of Lila's introduction is that something she's saying is making Jessica feel really jealous that she doesn't have as much as Lila does. Mm -hmm. uh, which, Jessica has a lot of great things, but she's just, like, upper middle class instead of upper upper class. Yes. <laughs> uh, she doesn't have a car phone. Yeah. But I think that it's, yeah, you're right. In, in the when these books were written, the mindset seems to be, from my perspective from now looking back, is that it was a time when it counted, like it was quote unquote enough, just to have characters that were not white or that were not stereotypical. Um, to use the term of these books that bothers me, um, all American looking people as your character like to have people in the periphery was like yeah. good job you know other people exist yeah. <laughs> and not they're not just blonde white people in the world yeah um i'm looking forward to season seven me too <laughs> me too you're not alone in that because i mean for all of how different lila is she is pretty much this like cut from the same I mean, in a lot of ways, Lila Fowler is Sweet Valley. Yeah. Like, forget the Wakefield twins. Lila Fowler represents the allure of Sweet Valley, California. People can be this rich. They can have the greatest fashions. They can live in a mansion. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Lila's story, shall we? Let's. This is the first such book of these, like, superstars that we're talking about. And it's the first one that came out. There are some other superstar books that will happen. I think there's one for Bruce Patman. Yes. I think, I think Enid, Enid gets one. one. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, this is my first read for me. It's the first time, my first time reading this book. Mm -hmm. And I 
yeah, I was excited and it was different from what I was expecting. It's a summer book, like a lot of these special editions have been. Mm -hmm. The super thrillers are all take place during mysterious summer. And uh, it's just a story of a thing that's happening to Lila. Like, Lila gets to be the protagonist and it's extra long, like these super editions tend to be. Well, a lot of things happen to Lila in these three weeks of her summer. Yes, indeed. Starts off simple enough. Of course, they're at the beach, you know? Of course. <laughs> She's at the beach with who else? Amy. Amy, Kara. Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> they're at the beach, uh, like, affecting a sort of uh, aloofness uh, and, you know, looking over the top of their sunglasses at any, like, half-nude boys. And if it's Lila, None also... None of them are good enough for Lila. No, she wants an older boy. She's bored of all the boys in town. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Jessica says, you need to fall in love. And she's like, puh! Love. Yeah. <laughs> That's rich coming from you, Jessica Wakefield. Uh, but the big news in Lila's life right now is that her father, George Fowler, is dating a woman named Joan Borden. And he she lives in L.A. and her father's been spending a lot of his free time in L.A. Mm -hmm. And as someone who knows Lila Fowler through these books, I was, I felt really felt for her with this. Um... I, who knows what personal baggage I might be bringing into that, but <laughs> she definitely is constantly characterized as someone who just really craves her father's attention, and he's such a busy man that she doesn't get much of it. Mm -hmm. Now, he's spending his free time with this lady, Joan Borden, and it seems like it's getting serious. Well, she also seems a little bit... She, she doesn't like the idea that it's happening, but she also seems a little bit like, fine, daddy, have fun. Right. And she thinks it's going to be like the way she is with boys, right? Like the way her father is with this woman is he's dated other women before. He dated the French teacher. You know, he's dated women in these books. I don't remember him dating the French teacher. <laughs> yeah, she's way too young for him. Although, who knows? George Fowler is probably like 35. That's yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, there's actually a line uh, at the end of chapter one. Her father is telling her yet again, I'm going to go out to LA, so you're going to be home alone. Uh, sorry, sweetheart. I didn't mean to snap at you. Uh, he's yelling at her for having overspent uh, on her credit card at Lizette's. She spent $600 on an outfit at Lizette's. And she lied to her father about it. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, I think that was a mistake. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I don't have time to uh, look into it now. So he says to her, be sure to have Ava fix you something good for supper. And don't wait up. I'll be late. Ew. <laughs> Lila didn't say a word. She didn't feel so bad now about lying about the credit card bill. What difference did it make? Her father was so wrapped up in his new girlfriend that he barely even noticed his own daughter was alive. Exclamation Ooh. point. Ooh, like, I, I really felt for Lila, too. Yeah. I, they, there was a really good setup here. And it's not like in other books about, like, random characters where we're getting all this information for the first time. We know that this is Lila's dynamic with her dad. Yeah. No? Yeah. Then pretty soon, uh, Joan starts coming over for dinner, like spending more time at the house, mm -hmm. and she brings her daughter, Jacqueline, with her. Oh, yes. It's the next morning where Daddy surprises her with brunch. Yeah. He's like, get some, get a lunch, a brunch menu A brunch together. menu. And did you notice what he said that they were going to serve? Uh, I think it was like... Niçois salad or something like that. Like, he's like, he's like, what do you think about the menu? He proposes cold poached salmon with cucumber sauce and a light lobster sauce. 
And then he says, too much seafood? And I'm just like, too much sauce. Two <laughs> sauces. Cold poached salmon. And Honestly, it sounded good. I guess, yeah, I guess so. Uh, maybe with like some bagels or like rice. It's like getting dangerously close to being. Something's got to stop yeah. up that sauce. But Ava's on top of it. Yeah, Ava can do anything. Ava's the nice housekeeper. So they're going to be there. Like they're just yeah, Joan he, and Jacqueline. He tries to trap her uh, her father tries to trap her in situations where she would have to interact with the Bordens yeah. especially Jacqueline the daughter of Joan um he really wants them to get along and the initial impression of Jacqueline like Jacqueline seems sheepish at first totally she seems like in awe of Lila she's really quiet she's so nice mm-hmm. like uh, sickeningly sweet and i will admit that I was getting some Suzanne Devlin vibes from Jacqueline. There is a book, I think it's book 11 of the series, Too Good to Be True, it's called, about Suzanne Devlin of the aforementioned Special Christmas Redemption arc. And the whole title of the book is like, this girl is so nice, she's bound to be not actually nice. Like, nobody could be this giving and nice, Mm -hmm. and also this beautiful, which is a problematic uh, perspective anyway, but... Um, yeah, yeah. So you have to be Enid to be, like, nice? Like, to be, like... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, maybe that's why Jessica hates Enid so much. She's just like, I don't I don't trust that girl. Like, she's ready to be this nice. <laughs> maybe. Or, like, she's if she's nice, she must not actually be as, as pretty as she appears. <laughs> I think... Um, Anyway, I could we could I actually could think of a lot of examples where uh, charity and attractiveness seem to be at odds in this series. Mm. But we have so much book to talk about. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, no apologies. I because I can dissect Jacqueline. All oh no, day. let's talk about Jacqueline. Talking about Jacqueline is a great idea. Um, well, I really just I she had me fooled as because she was just she just wanted to be but like i'm reading about jacqueline all she wants to do is be lila's friend every time she interacts with lila yeah well another part of me was like they're not gonna go down that same road again they've done that character so yes i was fooled by her because i mean spoiler alert gladiators we're saying the word fooled uh but you know she she's definitely she's so nice and she's so meek that's a uh, that is a difference between her and I really Suzanne. thought she was just a lonely girl. Now I started to get like once we talked once she went to the I'm jumping ahead a lot, uh, but once they went to the beach and um, Francine <laughs> starts talking about how attractive uh, Jacqueline is, how her auburn hair and her slim body and all that, I'm like, ah, she's not as nice as she seems. <laughs> well, there we go. We're getting back <laughs> into it. And just before that, something weird happens. So you mentioned how George is kind of trying to force Lila and Jacqueline into proximity. Lila, not just with Jacqueline, but with Joan, with the whole Borden situation, she's trying to just steer clear of it. She, It's like an avoidance tactic. Like, if I don't look at them. They don't exist. Dad's going to get over it and we can go back to our lives. Our lives, which um, she describes uh, early on. This is this is like Lila's state of mind early on in the book. Lila's mood lifted slightly as she looked around at the pristine beauty of Fowler Crest. None of this would ever change. Couldn't her father see how perfect their life here was together, just the two of them? Lila was certain he would never do anything to ruin the way they lived. Certainly, he wouldn't let Joan Borden and her daughter spend too much time with them. Can That's... I just mention, I love when mansions have a name and that this one's called Fowler Crest. Fowler Crest, yes. <laughs> uh, the mansion thing is funny. I highlighted something underneath here where 
a, they describe it as a 20-room mansion. <laughs> it stood out to me because when I was a kid, some person, I think I know, I think it was my friend Francis at the time, was my suspicion, um, told me that, like, in order for a house to be a mansion, it has to have 20 rooms. And, like, that was the definition of a mansion. And it was one of those things that was just probably totally fabricated that I, like, she probably pulled it out of thin air, but I thought it was real like, into my adulthood, that, like, 20 rooms... It sounds like a fact. It, well, I, I, I maybe mean, I should have Googled it. I'm not architect. Well, if, it, if, it, if a house does have to have 20 rooms to be a mansion, then it's not that exciting that Fowler Crest is a 20-room mansion. <laughs> I'm like, what, how many rooms do get mentioned in this book? I mean, there's a whole guest suite that the Bordens are eventually moved into. Yeah. So Lila's fantasy here in Chapter 2 about how nothing's ever going to change, uh, he would never let the Bordens ruin what they have in their beautiful Fowler Crest life. Uh Lila must be in on the secret that, like, time is not going to pass for them because <laughs> even if, if this were normal timeline, she would be getting older, she would graduate, like, they, this would be, there would be a ticking clock on this whole lifestyle of theirs anyway, but yeah. we know that because we live in reality, in Sweet Valley, no such thing. Sweet Valley is a chasm of its, <laughs> yeah. Like. So you mentioned Jacqueline at the beach. When that happens, like, her, George and Joan are really pressing Lila to, like, put together an event so that Jacqueline can meet her friends. And so she, like, gets her, her usual suspects on the phone, tries to get a group together. But Jacqueline doesn't have a bathing suit, and the Bordens are staying in Sweet Valley for the weekend or whatever. And so Lila gets out her, like, six bathing suits, right? She's got these beautiful, like, high-fashion swimsuits. And Jacqueline goes straight for the most expensive one that Lila has never worn. And while there's nothing particularly incriminating in that, there was something about it that I was just like, hmm, how would she know? Like, how would this unassuming, sweet girl know which bathing suit to pick that would be, like, the fanciest, the most luxurious, and piss off Lila the most. Yeah. <laughs> Could Somehow. it be a coincidence? Hmm. Well, that first, at first I thought maybe it was. Yeah, me she too. she really, you know, was sweet and meek and, you know, she wouldn't really. Also, why would Lila even put that one out there for her? Yeah. Just be, why? Because Lila mentions how much she doesn't like her stuff being touched and whatever. And yet dad is all like, um, share everything with Jacqueline. You yeah. Know? Yeah, uh, including stuff in the house that is, like, her mother, like, Lila's mother's signature, which is another complicated thing. Um, Lila's mother isn't dead. She's just gone. She <laughs> they just got left. divorced. Yeah. Uh, and yet Lila still has a soft spot for her missing mother and doesn't want her furniture reupholstered. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like we were on the same page here. Like, these little issues with Jean and Jacqueline don't quite seem like at the level of red flags. They're like the yellow pink flags. flags. Pink flags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going soccer. You were going color wheel. It's great. <laughs> I don't know how to play soccer. <laughs> well, all I know is that there are yellow cards and red cards, and they mean different things. And I did say flags. Lila thinks that there's something off about the Bordens, too. But it's just like, can we, is, can we trust Lila's suspicions? I don't know. Yeah. Here's what she says. Lila slumped back in despair. She couldn't believe this. Her father truly seemed to be crazy about Joan Borden, and Lila really couldn't see why. Joan was perfectly nice on one level. She brimmed over with enthusiasm for every detail. The flowers on the table, the lemon trees, even the delicious aroma of the coffee. 
But there was something about her that made Lila feel uneasy. And Lila couldn't help feeling that Joan made too much of an effort to emphasize her Beverly Hills connections. At one point, she told them that her mother had been in Alden Westcott. She looked disappointed when no one commented on that fact, and she had to explain that they were one of the oldest, most established families in the country. Lila twisted uncomfortably in her chair. Ordinarily, she would have been impressed with someone who came from such old money, and who seemed so sure of her place in society. But she didn't like the way Joan was barging in to Fowler Crest. So... Her spider sense is tingling. Yeah, yeah. And Joan... This uh, running thing with Joan and her last names and families oh. really made me laugh. <laughs> can we talk about when she meets Jessica? At the yes, beach? we absolutely can. And I have it on page 55. I like I marked this down. Can I may I read again? Yes. Do you mind? I, I think I well, dug we can that set same it up. Page. We can set it up. <laughs> okay. They they're at the country club, right? Oh, yes. So, you know, again, George is bringing the Bortons around. Like, so everybody is starting to ask Lila more and more questions about it. Poor thing. Like she really wants to bury this and pretend like it's not happening. But you know, the more George starts bringing these women around, the mom and the daughter, the more people are, like, asking Lila questions about it and, you know, trying to get her to be real about it. And, of course, everybody thinks the Bordens seem great, right? Yes. Yes, they're putting out yeah. their best selves. Um, and, unfortunately, <laughs> for Lila... adamant about meeting everyone in Sweet Valley. They really are. And, unfortunately, for Lila... You know, she's been complaining about these people, and especially about Jacqueline. When her friends meet Jacqueline, they're like, she's great, Lila. I don't know what you're complaining about. And it's a little bit of a, like, boy who cried wolf kind of thing, right? Because Lila's always complaining about everything. Yeah. So it's like, just Lila being Lila. She thinks there's something wrong with Jacqueline. She doesn't like her dad's new girlfriend. Which makes me more empathetic to Lila because, like... Because you can see, like, Jessica takes little jabs at her for being rich and everything like that. And uh, it just, she's as much, it, it seems like she boasts about being rich because she's like, well, that's how I define myself and that's who I am. So yeah. sit down and watch me be like this. But when you read Lila's story, you see that there's really, like, more layers to it. That it's like, why won't you believe me? Right. That, well, we mentioned at the outset that she has does a lot of scheming in these books. Yeah. And she does a lot of scheming in this book. And before it helps her, her nature of kind of duplicitousness and mistrust really, like, gets her in a lot of trouble to the point where, like, the fact that she lies about the credit card to her dad, we're going to talk about some more lies, it makes it so that the truth sounds like a lie from her. Yeah. And the fact that she has compl is complaining all about every single thing about the Bordens with no real proof makes people who meet this, like, pretty nice girl, Jacqueline, be like, you seem disjointed with your complaints and it's just lila being lila which you know you can relate to both sides of that right yeah if i were telling somebody that i i really have a bad feeling about this person that's invading my life it's really upsetting me to have to pretend to be sisters with this new girl and all my friends were like oh get over it yeah all oh, her friends oh, <laughs> it hurts it hurts okay so <laughs> joan borden meets uh, jessica wakefield they're at the yeah. sweet valley country club Lila has uh, is sunbathing with Jessica, complaining yeah. again about about Jacqueline and, right. and Joan. And Lila has told 
Jessica, but she'll probably tell you her lineage within seconds of being introduced, or she'll tell you about Jacqueline's debutante ball or something equally tiresome. You know, and then they're, they're coming over, they're coming over. Lila, it's so nice to see you again, she said in a charming voice. And who's your pretty friend? Lila flashed Jessica and I told you so look. I'm Jessica Wakefield, Jessica said, putting out her hand. Of the Boston Wakefields or the Philadelphia Wakefields? Joan asked, studying Jessica with interest. I don't think either, Jessica said. Oh, Joan dropped her hand. The look she gave Jessica seemed to say, what a shame. But all she said was, and this is Jacqueline, my daughter. She laughed, putting a pale hand up to her throat. Lila, your father just said the most flattering thing to me at the bar. He said I don't look old enough to have a daughter Jackie's age. Isn't that silly of him? It certainly is, Lila said. <laughs> Boom! Yay! <laughs> so good. Lila gets in her jabs. <laughs> <laughs> the Boston Wakefields or the Philadelphia Wakefields? I love your Joan voice. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I need to get these together, but I just have to, you know, let, let the character speak to me. <laughs> speak through me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Joan. It is a little bit like you. Yeah. Um, something that Lila remarks at a certain point. Oh, you mentioned upholstery. Mm-hmm. So they're back at Fowler Crest, mm-hmm. and... Uh, like, ding dong, there's a guy at the door who has, like, reupholstered a chair. Like, Joan had one of George's chairs reupholstered. And she's weird about it. She's just like, oh, they've come early. How bad of them. I'll, I'll just, I'll go ahead and read what she says exactly. She says, those men are so bad to bring it around now when you're at home. I thought they were delivering it next week. She wants it to be a surprise, I guess. She says, let me go upstairs and get my money. I only left a small down payment. She returned a few minutes later, looking distressed. This is so embarrassing, she said. I forgot to bring enough cash from L.A. to cover it. Lyle looked at her with narrowed eyes. It struck her that for a very wealthy woman, Joan Borden didn't seem particularly solvent. <laughs> I enjoyed reading that sentence in a book for, for teenagers or preteens. I wonder how many kids like got out their dictionaries. Like, what does solvent, solvent mean? <laughs> I thought that was like very much in Lila's head. Like, for a supposedly wealthy woman, Joan Borden doesn't seem particularly solvent. Can we talk about the timeline of George and Joan's romance here? Yeah, let's do it. Because, okay, it's not even the whole summer where we meet her and they decide to get married. And Yeah, that's coming, Gladiators, in case you didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, you know, it's on the back of the book. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was obviously it was coming. Um, Everybody in Sweet Valley seems clear on the fact that it's going to happen, except for Lila. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, there's, like, so many, like, oh, we have to go introduce her to the people of the country club. We have to, we have to put together a, a little put together a little party at the they do so yeah, many a brunches. birthday party for Jacqueline and she's turning 16 okay and also why does Jacqueline not have her own friends in LA <laughs> yeah why would Jacqueline want to have a birthday party in Sweet Valley in Sweet Valley <laughs> instead of in LA like, yeah she does she's just met like she's turning forcibly 16. met these other teenagers yeah weird yeah why would a 16 year old not have their own own friends to invite to their birthday party. Especially one like Jacqueline, you know, like supposedly lives in Beverly Hills, supposedly is yeah. pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Other supposedly, but... Yeah. <laughs> like, um, 
she would maybe they, maybe they wouldn't be good friends. Maybe they wouldn't be real friends. But they neither are these people she's just met. Yeah. So yeah, there mm-hmm. was it was it's very such quick. a whirlwind romance, uh, especially for her. I mean, to go back to the chair thing, for her to be like redecorating the house, it's like ew. Yeah. Sorry, it just seems like presumptuous. Yeah, they've only been staying over like four nights. They stayed over in the guest suite, and she's yeah. like, "I'm gonna redecorate this chair." Yeah. Um, well, and, but of course we know not to bring it back to this because it's no fun. But we know, as savvy adult readers, that this is actually just like a MacGuffin, like it's a it's a plot device. Yeah. Because. George Fowler is going to have to go get some petty cash. Petty cash is going to be missing. And in order to talk about why petty cash is missing, we're going to have to back up just a little bit to talk about another very important element of this book. And we're also going to have to move to the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Let's talk about boys. Yes. So, Lila at the beginning of the book, not interested in falling in love. But then one night, she's at the Carla Xavier concert at the Sweet Valley Stadium. (laughs) And Sweet Valley's got everything. She spills, she knocks into a cute boy, spills his drinks, and it's, you know, it's a meet cute worthy of Nora Ephron. Yeah. (laughs) Love it first bump. Yep, yep. <laughs> so this is Evan Armstrong, mm-hmm. a well-named boy, <laughs> if ever there was one. <laughs> Very strong name. <laughs> yes, For a yes. strapping young lad. Right. Who is unlike any boy she's ever come across in Sweet Valley. That's right. He goes to a different school. I think he's just graduated from Palisades High. Oh. I was looking at, looking at it again. I think he just graduated, so... It's summer, so, That's why she never ran into him. Yes, he's an older boy, but he's dating a girl that I guess goes to Sweet Valley High. Yes. Sonia Bentley. Yes. Who Jessica knows through cheerleading. Sonia didn't make it, of course. Oh, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) We missed that. We missed that book. Uh, I mean, I don't think... I guess I could have go back and check cheerleading tryouts. I don't know how many cheerleading tryouts they've had at this point in their junior year of high school, but... (laughs) Um, Sonia Bentley, and they are, like, Sonia is too short for Evan, is, is the main that complaint. Is, that is her big... They seem to be a hot item, but there's a lot of the, the, like, bitchy, like, justification that Lila comes up with for why it's okay to break them up is that, um, Sonia is way too short for him. <laughs> she can't even look at them together. This is your favorite character, Gladiators. Think about that for a second. <laughs> I stand behind it. <laughs> yeah, I, I spoke to the gladiators in general, but you specifically, Marissa. No, no. It's, uh, I mean, clearly, Lila has a thought at one point. She says something like, if Sonia and Evan were this easy to break up, they shouldn't have been together anyway. And she has a real point there. Yeah, I agree with her. Because, okay, Le- Jessica has some inside deets about this, this couple um, that she learned while trying out for cheerleading with Sonia, like... Her boyfriend, Evan, has a really great car, number one, like some Italian fancy car. Oh, this this needs to be read verbatim because, my goodness, it's an important moment. Oh, let's rewind and, and describe Evan to the gladiators here. Yes. It um, is the part of the podcast where we talk about boys, and that is the jurisdiction of boys. <laughs> 
The two girls climbed out of their seats and made their way down the aisle to the concession stand. They were just getting in line for soft drinks when Lila bumped into a guy in front of her, sending the cardboard box in his hands flying and drinks in it spilling to the ground. Whoops, Lila said, turning red. The guy looked down at the spilled drinks and shrugged. Oh well, he said, giving Lila a disarming smile. I guess what they say about not crying over spilled milk goes double for spilled soda. Don't worry about it. Lila looked into his smoky gray eyes and was mesmerized. She had never in her entire life seen a guy so utterly gorgeous and charming. Uh, can I? Uh, I'm so sorry. It was totally my fault, she stammered. Can I buy you more drinks? Nah, he said with an easy smile that took her breath away. Honestly, don't worry about it. Lila tried to catch her breath. She couldn't bring herself to take her eyes off him. She studied his long, lean build. He was very tall, probably six feet two inches or so, with sun-streaked blonde hair. He had broad shoulders and square, handsome features. He was dressed casually in faded jeans and a white polo shirt, and he was very tanned. Lila was instantly and madly in love, but before she could say another word, he paid for new drinks, gave her a casual wave and smile, and disappeared into the crowd. Mm. Sounds like a sexy boy. Mm. She goes back and talks to Jessica in the stands, like, who is that guy? Jessica gives her the scoop. He's actually there with Sonia. That's how they see how uh, the height disparity that <laughs> they, uh, you know, very harshly and unfairly uh, judge them for. But whatever, As you know. a short person, I'm very, I, was, I felt triggered. By yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can see what they're doing, though. It's not really about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> they just want, you know, it's a thing, especially high school girls, you can imagine. Like, oh. why are they together, you know? Yeah. But... <laughs> what Jessica says is, I don't know all that much about him aside from the fact that he drives the sexiest car on earth, a Lancia Coupe, which <laughs> is an Italian sports car. But y'all, I googled it. I googled a 1989 Lancia Coupe, and it is not the sexiest car I've really? in the world. No, and this the ones in the, like 70s models. Okay, I mean maybe I was looking at the wrong car, but well, is it? What's it? What's it worth? Oh, good question. Good question. Because I feel like a Sweet Valley teenager would like know the MSRP on that. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. Especially one of these girls, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I mean, that passage is such a perfect, like one of these rare, like um, really, really good boy descriptions. We haven't gotten one in a while. Um, well, and, he's new, you know, you get, yeah. when they're new, you get... And you see, of- and it's important, like how much she lusts after him, because you know she really—it's got to be this whole love at first sight thing. Um, later on, when everybody's at the beach disco, and we'll get to what's happening there, um, th- she is like seeing him again for the first time, and she's like gonna make her move on him. Um, and the book says she studied him closely and practically trembled at the sight of him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. (laughs) His arms were muscular and tanned, and his jaw was set. He looked melancholy and angry, like a romantic hero. Lila could feel a blush coming to her face. Her lips felt warm, you know? So she's she's having a physical response. (laughs) Let's put it that way. I remember the last time a man made me tremble. (laughs) At the sight of him. At the sight of him. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very 16-year-old thing to uh, to experience physically. Um, But, yeah, so 
Lila basically is like, oh, did you say the th- what what um, Jessica knows about Sonia? Okay, I didn't say it because, yeah. okay, so Jessica knows Sonia through, we had covered how she knows her, they had had a conversation during tryouts, and apparently Sonia, like, is so into Bruce Patman, he makes her tremble at the sight, you know? Uh, yeah, and, and, like, Evan is aware of this, and... Is kind of like, Sonia, you need to stay away from Bruce. You know, it's a little bit possessive, but it sounds like it's warranted. Right. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's basically like Bruce shows up and Sonia is really excited. This is Jessica's theory. So then, like, the next day at the country club, Lila has arranged to meet Bruce and, like, have a talk with him. Like, she's going to make a deal with the devil, essentially, uh, to get Bruce's help in breaking them up. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to swoop in and steal Evan Armstrong. So let's talk about... Let's talk about the scheme. Let's talk about the scheme. And I really want to read Bruce's uh, perspective on whether or not this scheme will work as well. We can do this all all in one fell swoop. Here's a nice little passage. Okay. Do you think you could get Sonia interested in you again? Do you think you could get her to go out with you? Sorry, that's not a good Lila. Let's try Lila again. <clears throat> this is Lila. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you did do you... Th- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you did sound a little like an Enid there. <laughs> yeah, like a little more my Elizabeth. <laughs> do you think you could get Jessica to go out with you? Sorry. Not Jessica. Do you think you could get Sonia interested in you again? Do you think you could get her to go out with you? Bruce gave her a look. You've got to be kidding, he said dryly. Lila, the girl was practically throwing herself at my feet last year. I don't see why it should be any different now. She has a boyfriend, Lila pointed out. Don't you think that might just be a tiny little bit of an obstacle? Bruce shrugged and took off his sunglasses. Why should it be? The guy can't possibly be as great as I am. Besides, she had a boyfriend then and it didn't seem to bother her. I love your Bruce. I love it. Thank you, thank you. Like, y'all, if you could see her read Bruce, I just wish she's got like an eyebrow thing going. I mean, the fact that he it says he took off his sunglasses is you could really picture it. He's like you David Caruso or whatever, like you know. Ow. So So yeah, that's the scheme, but we can go into the details of the scheme. It's gonna happen at the beach disco. Yes. So they they know the time and the place and like she and, and Winston and Aaron Dallas are having some kind of party that they're arranging. Oh. Oh yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Just for kicks. I forgot they're in cuz he isn't Winston the class clown or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I do enjoy Winston. Um <laughs> he refers to Bruce Padman in this book as that man Patman, <laughs> which I have never seen before and it really tickled me. Um he's like Winston and Lila are dancing on the dance floor, which is already weird, but like Lila's looking everywhere and here comes Bruce. Like that's what she's waiting for yeah. because Bruce is like going to swoop in on Evan and Sonia where they're dancing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm surprised at how much Bruce wanted to take part in Lila's scheme, given how much Lila and Bruce hate each other because they're the most rich, the richest teenagers in Sweet Valley, and they kind of, like, have a, a rivalry going on. Absolutely. But they put that on the side. Old money versus new for money. For love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for Lila's true love. And uh, she has nothing to trade him for Right, it. right. So... But he's like... Uh, one day I'll get you. In, like, yeah, they basically they do discuss it at the country club. Like, so I'm gonna do the same for you. What are you gonna do for me? She's like, you're gonna have Sonia. He's like, Psh. I get Sonia any day, whatever he says. You know, but he's like, they try to think of something, 
And eventually he's like, no, you're going to owe me one, which is dangerous. Especially with Bruce. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You never know what that one is. But it's kind of established that Lila and Bruce, they have a, like, friendly rivalry that where they love to hate each other. They're kind of cut from the same cloth, you know? So it's like game recognized game. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, she's like, I know you can do this. This is what you're best at. I'm going to let you do... You're, I'm gonna let you shine. Right. <laughs> and he, so he does successfully break them up, like, almost instantly. All he needs to do is walk up to her. Well, it helps that Sonia, he's, he was right about Sonia. Like, basically, he insinuates himself and is like, I really want to dance with Sonia. Sonia's like, Evan, is it okay? Evan's like, no. no. <laughs> and Bruce <laughs> is like, <laughs> yeah, Bruce is like, oh, come on, buddy. You can see she wants, the lady wants to dance with me. And she's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, that's basically how it goes down. Then Evan is brooding. That's when he goes out on the porch and Lila is waiting, pretends she doesn't remember him, even though he's making her tremble or whatever. And from there, it's like Lila and Evan are essentially a thing. And he pretty soon he breaks up with Sonia. He asks her out that night before he breaks up with Sonia. Yeah. In fact, there is no actual scene. It's just like, well, he doesn't want to talk to Sonia anymore. Yeah. And a few days later, like, we hear Lila tell, after they've gone to Miller's Point, oh, Evan tells yes. Lila, but this is just, like, recounted by Lila, that he had called Sonia up and ended things. I will say I was a little disappointed that they didn't go into more detail about hanging out at Miller's Point. I know, right? Well, it's because we're adult it's women Lila's used story. to reading, like, actual <laughs> romance novels. It's like... But yeah. they are teenagers, so I guess that's It's untoward. kind of like a Truman show when they just go, like, pan to the right and you watch the wind in the, in the window and you're like, oh, well, we should, we're supposed to insinuate yeah. that they had a hot and heavy night. It's like Titanic, you know? Like, yes, the hand, the on, hand the on the window. <laughs> we don't even give that. I would have, yeah, she's just like, he took me up to Miller's Oh, point. there is a moment, actually, where um, it's, this is, and this is, it's just like the exception that proves the rule. Um, what it says is, they're at Miller's Point. It was a beautiful, windless night, the moon lighting up the valley like a wonderful beacon. And before Lila knew what was happening, Evan was taking her in his arms, his mouth soft and warm as he kissed her. She could feel his heart beating against hers. Oh, Lila, he cried, burying his face in her neck. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> his face in her neck. Like, But right. she seems certainly proud of herself that... She, you know, got him to tremble. She could barely conceal her joy. It was working like a dream, you know? So I was ready for the the other shooter drop with this plot line, like like every romantic comedy. You know, the, the it starts as a trick, they fall in love for real, and then they, they have a breakup, you know, crisis in the he finds third out act that because he finds is... out it was all a lie. Yeah. yeah. That's not what's going to happen, though. But it isn't really a lie because she is really into him. Yeah. She just, like you know, schemed schemed to, yeah, 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 which, you know, I can't really approve of Lila, but it is very typically Lila. Right. So we find out, and Lila finds out really quickly that one of Evan's big things is that he's like a race car driver. Um, He races like sports cars, like drag racing in the the Davis Speedway or something. Yeah. Someplace that's 30 minutes away from Fowler Crest. Yes. Whatever that means. (laughs) So it's in the Inland Empire somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the this is kind of brings us back to the upholstered chair, the petty cash. Eventually, Evan is like, I really worlds collide. Yes, Evan really wants to enter this big like qualifying race. 
He has what it takes to be a top driver, whatever that means, but it's going to cost $500 to enter. Lila offers to give him the $500. He refuses. She offers again. He refuses. He does not want to take this money from her. Good for him. But um, she insists, and then she takes it from the petty cash. And then, on top of all that, she has a brilliant idea. She is going to take the key um, that her father keeps uh, in hidden away. She knows where it's hidden. The key to the drawer where the petty cash is kept. Uh, we're talking, I'm using the phrase petty cash. This is a household. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> not an office. <laughs> Whatever. Like, some well, cash. Well, her father keeps cash in his drawer for, spe- like, there's at least $1,000 in there at all times, yeah. just in case, you know, someone has to reupholster a chair or something. Right, right. <laughs> so, and I think, like, for, for Ava to go grocery shopping. Yes. Um, Because at one point, they reference how she's going to need more money because she's having to buy more groceries because there are two more people at the house. Yes. I was a little worried for Ava at this point. Like, is she going to get in trouble for stealing this money? But no. So Lila plants the key under... Wait. In Jacqueline's... In Jacqueline's room. Jacket And also, like, a um, in the pocket. She also, like, takes a necklace of hers and, like, hides it under Jacqueline's pillow. Like, she's trying to frame Jacqueline for steal... Like, basically to have everybody think that Jacqueline's not so perfect after all. Yes. And Lila's very proud of herself for this scheme. Because she can't wait until um, someone finds out that there's no money in the or that there's $600, $500 less petty yeah. cash and um, for her father to start asking questions. Yeah. So, but what actually happens is the father comes back from his office after having gone to get some cash to pay this upholstery delivery guy. And he's like, oh, it's so weird. There's this key that I usually keep hidden is sitting on my desk. And there's not as much money as there should be in this drawer. Like, what's this about? Well, why... Lila is immediately like, oh my god, Jacqueline must have found the key and put it there. What does that mean? Yes. I honestly did not know where I was in. Well, and Jacqueline tries to claim to Lila when Lila confronts her about it. Because, oh, because also she hasn't gotten a message that... Uh, somebody called and left a message, right? Or Jessica. Oh, okay. Jessica was like, we were, uh, Jessica had told Lila, hey, where were you? We all went to, um, I think we all went to the beach or something. Um, and Lila wasn't yeah. there. And she's like, it would have been great if you came. Um, and she's like, I didn't get a message that yeah. you were all going out. Jessica and- had left word with Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline is like, oh, I wrote it down on your stationery. I put it on your desk. And Lila's like, you did not do that. And Jacqueline's like, I think there must be a ghost in this house, <laughs> which is an intriguing idea, well, you know? She had said that she had put it next to her gold necklaces um, on her. Mm. So that's how you know that Jacqueline knows that she was being set up. Yeah. It's very easy way. to picture this scene of these two girls just sort of like pretending to each other that, you know, like this like passive aggressive. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, they're saying more between the lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's like the first time you're like the flags turn red with yeah. with Jacqueline. Yeah, and we're like beyond the middle point of the book. Oh yeah, this is um because she was like just page. Like, I have a note here that says on page one forty one of this is like a two hundred and ten page book. It says Jacqueline reveals herself. So let's see what that passage is, shall we? Let's. <laughs> 
Oh, well, oh, you might be talking about when George and Joan go on a long weekend yes. and the girls yeah. are alone yes. together. Okay. So that happens. Yeah. So oh the, my God. The, yes. com- the confrontation was um, just before Joan and George are like, we're going away for a Yeah, long just weekend. a few pages earlier. Yeah. yeah. Like page 134 is when Jacqueline says his thing. I'm like, I think there must be a ghost. Mm-hmm. Joan and George are going to go on a trip. Jacqueline's going to stay with Lila because that way she won't be home alone. And Lila's like, uh-oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. Well, she has no idea. Jacqueline is about to reveal her true nature. And I was so tense during this because it's like Jacqueline turns into such a cruel, like, sassy, like, bitch to Lila. And Lila, there's nothing Lila can do about it. Mm-hmm. Because everybody thinks that Jacqueline is his angel. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what happens uh she walks lila walks into her bedroom when she went upstairs to her bedroom she found jacqueline twirling around in front of the mirror wearing the brand new suede outfit lila had bought from lizette's this is the one that she spent the 600 dollars on mm-hmm. she couldn't believe her eyes it didn't exactly make her feel better to see how fantastic jacqueline looked in it what are you doing lila cried jacqueline shrugged just trying on a few things to see what i need for the week This is the first time I've seen the summer suede, but still, I thought I'd just try this outfit on. She tipped her head in the direction of Lila's bed, where the contents of both her closets were strewn in heaps. You have so much stuff, it's hard to decide what I want most. Get out of my outfit, Lila snapped, right now. Why should I? Jacqueline said calmly, admiring herself in the mirror. I really don't see the need, do you? Anyway, what are you going to do? Run to Daddy and complain? He's far away now, Lila. It's just you and me. Ooh. Oh, and she she goes on. She says, I have to give you credit. You didn't believe I really was the way I pretended to be. Most people buy it. Her calm was unshakable. I guess that's because you and I are two of a kind, Lila. She smiled, a nasty, I know your type kind of smile. In any case, I guess you and I are going to have to learn to live with each other. It certainly looks like that's what our parents have in mind. I, I felt like a, I was mm. in boiling water when I read that. Mm. Like, mm. She, yes. she got her. That is a good like, description. Like, <laughs> Lila is in such deep shit, and there's no way for her to get out of it, because nobody will believe her. And, you know, it says a lot about when this was written, because, like, my first instinct is to be like, call dad... Or record it on your phone. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you're 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 I'm, in the right headspace. It's 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but but if we take it back, you know, 30 years, 32 years, you're you are getting close to the right headspace, as we will reveal. You know, we need proof, right? Yes. It gets even worse when Joan and George get home, right? Because uh, before too long. Um, this was really exciting, part of the book, but also nerve-wracking. Lila is walking past the, like, guest suite where the Bordens uh, are staying, and she actually overhears uh, the conversation between the mother and the daughter. I love Oh, you want to do this with me? Yeah. You want to be Jacqueline or Joan? Uh, ooh. You, you do Jack- a good Joan. Yeah, you be Jacqueline. <laughs> my, my Jacqueline's not quite as distinctive. Um, your Jacqueline is quite Lila. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, they're two of a kind, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, by next week at this time, he and I will be married and there won't be a thing to worry about anymore, Lila heard Joan say. What if that awful daughter of his gets in the way somehow? I don't trust her. Lila's face grew hot and she felt dizzy. Fury burned inside her like a volcano. 
Oh, I can manage her. Haven't I done a good job so far with her father? Lila had to bite her lip to keep from screaming. What was going on? Then the voices resumed. I'm just afraid someone will find out who we really are. If he knew you didn't have a cent to your name. Lila's heart began to pound. How can he find that out, sweetheart? Trust me, I know how to take care of George Fowler. As soon as he and I are married, you and I are going to be millionaires ten times over. I'll make sure of that. Then all that's left for us to do is wait things out till I can file for divorce. And alimony. George Fowler will never know what hit him. Lila runs away. They don't know they've been overheard. Lila's not the only one with schemes in this book. No, they're full-on con artists. Mm -hmm. And it explain why Jacqueline has no friends. Right, and then of course she doesn't have any money. Oh, dude, I thought it's funny, like, that's the part that really makes Lila cast, you know? (laughs) So, but it's like, just finding that out wouldn't really be a smoking gun. It's the, the whole divorce alimony thing. Like, I am literally just trying to marry this man to take his money. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about him. I'm wrapping him around my finger. Like the teens of Sweet Valley often do with boys. But this is her dad, you know? This is her dad, and her dad has assets. Yeah, he's been duped. Yes. So Lila, like, thinks about it. She thinks about it, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to tell my dad what I heard. Yeah. And that scene is, like, oh, so difficult. It really, like... Yeah. Speaking of shaking, things making one tremble. Yeah. (laughs) But not in a good way. (laughs) Like, she was, she, in a, what kind of environment has he created where she doesn't feel like she can be honest with her father? And <laughs> like, she's like, a dad, I, it's so hard for me to say this to you. Like, every, not a normal thing for Lila to say. Yeah. And when she tells him, like, I overheard something, they're not who they say they are, her dad is like, you have been scheming against these women since they showed up. You never gave them a chance. You have lied about so many things. He's so mad at her. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. Or read, as the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's stuck. She has made her bed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she is lying in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And speaking of lying, another bit of lying that Lila's <laughs> doing nice segue. is that Bruce, you know, he knew. Like, he picked the thing to make ask Lila to do in return that he, like, knew would most upset her. It's such a, like, monkey's paw thing. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Um, so he had asked her, uh, he's like, hey, I finally know what I'm going to ask you for your favorite back. And honestly, when I read that, my heart sank. I was like, oh, shit. Now's the time to, you know, pay back that debt. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and um, honestly, I thought it would be bigger than it was. But Evan wants to race in this big race that right, she paid $500, $500 mm-hmm. to get him to fix the cars for. Um, and Bruce's big question is, hey, like, now that I'm dating Sonia because you told me to and you're dating Evan, I need you to get Evan to drop out of the race because he needs he his good friend. Uh, who's He's his good like, friend? Tom. Toby. I don't know. It's the guy I never heard of before. Uh, and I didn't mark his name. Let's see. He wants his friend to win. Yeah, he wants his friend to win the race. He's and like, he can't do him. it if Evan, who's a really great racer, is in the race. Bruce must have some money on this guy or something, too. You yeah. Because otherwise, why would Bruce wouldn't do a favor out of the goodness of his heart for his buddy, right? I think that he actually mentioned that he does have money um, on on Tom or Toby or. Oh, his name is. It's in up. the end of the book, yeah. too, right? Yeah. He. 
turns out to be really hot, too. Um, <laughs> Toby. His name is Toby. Bruce wants Toby to win. Bruce basically is like, if we get Evan out of the way, Toby's a surefire winner. So Lila really doesn't want to, because she actually genuinely does care about Evan, first of all. And she wants him to have the things that he, like, she wants him to yeah, win. sweet. But she comes up with an even grander scheme to get him to not race. Yeah. And once again, these, like, these worlds are crossing over. She's like, my dad doesn't believe me because I've been scheming against the Bordens. So I'm going to change my tone totally. I'm going to be so cooperative. I'm going to help plan the wedding. I'm going to help plan. She suggests a joint birthday party and engagement party Mm -hmm. for the Bordens, which is already a pretty genius, like, scheme to pretend, like, oh, she's so excited about it because the Bordens, like, can't really protest. But of course, like, why would Jacqueline want her birthday party to be the same as the engagement party? Yeah, but but Lila is reinforcing how she has her father twisted around her finger more than Joan. Yeah. Because George is all about it. He's like, yes! He's so excited that Lila is excited. Yeah. And he's the one who pulls, you know, he's the, what's the, the purse strings or whatever. He holds the purse strings is the phrase. So he... That gives him the power, you know? You know, if, if, if we can get Daddy to agree with it, then he's we can get anything. And so she, she's gone to the, the real power yeah. uh, in the family, which is, um, which is daddy. Yeah. So of course the Bordens can't argue with George's enthusiasm. They have to go along with it or else they risk revealing their true selves. Ooh. And Lila actually says when she's like, Hey, uh, we're planning this, uh, great birthday party for, for Jacqueline. Um, how much are you contributing to this yeah. to this party? <laughs> She's like, yeah, like, oh, maybe you want to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and George is like, oh, I like, wouldn't hear of it, you know? Yes, but, but she knows she's sticking it to him. Yes. Um, so she goes to Evan and she's like, we're having this party and, you know, it's so hard for me. This whole thing has been so difficult. Um, I really need you to be there. It's Friday night. And Evan says, you know why the race is on Friday night? If I could be there for you, I would, but... Lila drew in a deep, quivering breath. Oh, the race, she said quickly, taking a step back. With all my problems, I completely forgot. Never mind, she said hastily in her most martyr-like voice. I'm sure I'll be fine. It doesn't matter, Evan. The hurt and betrayal she managed to work into her voice surprised her. She didn't even feel like she was acting. Evan bowed his head. Okay, I'll bag the race. I want to be there for you, he murmured. So, Lila is excited. I thought that was such a telling, sweet little sentence in the middle of this. Like, she didn't even feel like she was acting. Yeah. It's like, that is a moment of of literature in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that also endears Lila, too, because, like, she she does, even though she's scheming, she does have these feelings. Yeah. And honestly, it's not a lot to ask right. your boyfriend. And she does want him to be there for her difficult time, you know? It's yeah. like, it's not, and so it's she, not And he wouldn't even be in the race if not for her $500. Right. So, like... Which she's not getting, they're not getting back, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like, how big of a, you, you race every weekend, how big of a deal is it to, you know, not go to, honestly, if he said, no, I'm going to race... I'd have broken up with him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so she's really excited. 
And it's all, you know, she's paid back Bruce or whatever. Yeah. She feels a little bad about it, but whatever. She's excited he's going to be there. Yeah. She gets what she wants twofold. She gets to yeah. fulfill her her debt to Bruce, and she gets to have her boyfriend at the party. Right. So. Um, and at the party, when Evan goes, she, like, sees him talking to Jacqueline a little bit, and she's like, hmm, they seem awfully friendly. That's weird. But, you know, when she brings it up to him, he's like, I'm oh, allowed yeah. to talk to other women. Yeah, and he wasn't particularly, <coughs> he makes it sound <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, I was telling her happy birthday. Uh, she's not that interesting. You know, he, like, really doesn't seem like he... And he goes to the whole, like, she's actually a nice girl. You don't even know. And yeah. she's like, you know, you. I do know. So please right. just hang out with me. Yeah. Like, uh, how about we stop talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> let's not talk about Jacqueline. But Lila still has one really big problem, which is that she needs to get this wedding canceled or, like, her father's going to be ruined. It, it, like, the day of the wedding arrives. And honestly, when we got to that point, because like it, it sort of all tumbled. They had their engagement party, and then what? Three weeks goes by, and they're gonna and they're gonna get married. I guess so. That's and yeah. we just have Lila like sitting on her bed, like it was the morning of the wedding, and Lila like, still hasn't solved the do? problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, Lila, really? You haven't been? Do you haven't come up what with are something you doing? yet? <laughs> <laughs> like I really thought there would be more things happening, but <laughs> we just go straight to the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and oh. When do we see Evan and Jacqueline again? Is yes. that at so, the wedding? Um, uh, she's been helping them, like, helping with wedding plans while Evan is at the house. And so she just kind of lost track of him a little bit. And she walks past... Um, this is not the day of the wedding. It's, like, He's just coming before. over to use the pool, and, like, everybody loves him at Fowler Right. Crest. He's just... Yeah, once they meet him, he's, like, a fixture at the house as well. So... And, of course, she's wearing Lila's bathing suit. So Lila is going to the, like, guest suite to drop something off uh, for the a headpiece for, that she was working on for Joan. Jacqueline's voice was muffled. We can't say anything. She hates me so much as it is. If she found out... Lila felt her stomach do a flip-flop. She couldn't believe it. Jacqueline and Evan? Was it possible? Or was she actually losing her mind? She peeked inside the room and her worst fears were confirmed. Evan had his arms around Jacqueline and was staring deeply into her eyes. You know... You're the one I've always cared for. I don't see how I can have been as confused as I was. Jacqueline looked up at him adoringly, and Lila felt her knees weaken. As Lila listened, the two of them discussed how to behave in front of her, and what to do at the wedding, how to arrange time to see each other. I'm going to be really busy because there's this race I want to be in in a few weeks, but Evan hesitated and then said sadly, I don't think I'm going to be able to be in it. Why not, if that's what you really want, Jacqueline cried. I'd love to come and watch you race sometime. I'm glad you're so supportive. Lila couldn't stand my racing, Evan said. Which is so interesting because Evan said the same thing to Lila about Sonia. Mm -hmm. And Lila's been really supportive to Evan about his racing. Mm -hmm. Who's the real con artist. Yeah. We're seeing now that it's Evan the whole time. Not the way we were expecting things to unfold. Just you know? looking for $500 here and there. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so now it's... And Jacqueline says, oh, Evan, I love you so much. Like, it's really like, poor Lila. She's like, everybody's scheming around me and there's nothing to do about it. Um, so the wedding. The day of the wedding comes. Well, you know, the theme of overhearing things yes. is prevalent 
in this in this book how things are conveniently overheard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you never know who's listening right <laughs> and I think it really the morning of the wedding it dawns on her that this could be yeah <laughs> there's this there's this plan it all comes together for her um another convenient plot element is that George is really concerned about everyone being able to hear the quartet that he's hired no matter where they are in the in the wedding party in the in Fowler Crest wherever and George is big on music. Yes, he's big on music. And this is believable rich guy stuff, right? He's yeah. like, I want the sound at my wedding to be perfect. <laughs> Get those you bow know, speakers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Lining the garden. <laughs> so there's this sound guy that Lila starts pestering. Like, tell me, explain to me how it works. You know, I really need to know. My dad is going to be really uh, upset if anything goes wrong. And I need to be able to understand how they work, you know. And finally, she gets this guy to give him... Uh, to pay attention to her. And she decides to uh, take some microphones and hide them in some plants, I think, in the room. In the sunroom. Yeah. Where um, the girls are getting ready to go down the aisle. Literally to like, yeah, that's like an outdoor wedding, right? Moments. Yes. It's uh, in the, you know, backyard of Fowler Crest. Yeah. And so Lila's like, all right, what I need to do is make sure, I'm going to make sure all the wiring is set up properly. And then I need to make sure that I get them to reveal their secrets. Because they actually don't know still at this point that Lila knows. Yes. Um, obviously, Jacqueline, Jacqueline knows, knows that Lila knows that Jacqueline's true nature. Yeah, her true nature. But the Bordens don't realize that Lila knows that they're con artists, like full on con artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lila chooses uh, the moment, um, the split second <laughs> before they're about before to walk down they the walk aisle. down yeah. the aisle. Uh, so, so they're back in the sunroom, getting yeah. ready to walk down the aisle. Yeah. And Lila seizes her moment. She knows, like, mm-hmm. now is the time to expose these con artists for who they are. It's now yeah. or never. I'll start with Joan trying to pull on these gloves. Okay. Joan was trying to wriggle into a pair of two small white gloves. These are supposed to be borrowed, she muttered, but I don't know what George was thinking of, borrowing them from a friend with child-sized hands. After briefly glancing down at the microphones, Lila cleared her throat and turned to Joan. You know, Lila said delicately, this might be a good time to think about what you're doing before it happens. Do you know what it means to stand up in front of 300 people and pretend to feel something you don't? What are you saying? Joan demanded, her frustration over the gloves making her face turn red. I don't understand you, Lila. You know I adore your father, and I want the chance to be a good mother to you. She threw down the gloves in exasperation. I think it's time we all quit the acting here. Jacqueline made it clear to me weeks ago who you two are and what you're really after. Joan turned dead white as she stared at her daughter. You did what? She gasped. Don't listen to her. She's lying. But Joan's expression of horror said it all. How could you? She demanded, grabbing her daughter and shaking her shoulders violently. You could have ruined everything. If her father finds out, don't you see how close we are? You swore not to drop the act for a single minute. Mother, let me go. I'm not the one you should be mad at. How dare you tell me who I should be mad at after I put myself through all this just so you and I can have the kind of money you've always wanted. I've done this for you as much as for me, she added. Lila took a deep breath. 
She hadn't thought it would work so perfectly. Every word Joan and Jacqueline were exchanging was being picked up and transmitted out to the audience of wedding guests, and to her father. It was almost too easy. She had been afraid it would be hard to get Joan and Jacqueline to show their true colors in the excitement just before the ceremony. She should have known better. <laughs> so Just desserts. Yeah. <laughs> um... And Can't. sure, they like, well, so the door opens and Lila breathes a sigh of relief when, like, all the guests and her dad are just, like, staring, like, agog. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the guests are, like, standing whispering. up. They start to walk. So I think there's some booing, even. <laughs> Maybe I made that up. No, I think but... there was some hissing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so good. So... Joan is beautifully clueless that any of this has happened. So when she gets up to the front and George is like, I can't believe you would do this to me. She's like, darling, what are you talking about? And it's so delicious. (laughs) I just, you know, can't believe how hard it was for her to date millionaire George Fowler. Oh, so tough. So hard to go to get, have fancy brunches. Like, I don't know, maybe she's upset about the gas money she had to... (laughs) (laughs) She, yeah, this is a good point. She could have been, like, using him for his money, but also, like, trying to get along with him. Like, it didn't have to be such a dastardly scheme, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she, yeah, his money is something I like about him, but, you know, we're going to be happy together. Instead, it's like, maybe I'm using... Maybe sex wasn't great. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe like... she's not into dudes. Maybe. Maybe she um, has some sort of dream... They have some, like, secret plans that they didn't get into in the book. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but she was... They Maybe went she's... to Hawaii to get engaged. They were going to go to Japan for their for their honeymoon. Yeah. I don't see what the big deal about... Even if she didn't... Even if she didn't like him, uh, he was so happy to be around her that, like... Yeah, he loved her. He really loved her. And that's why he's so taken aback when he yeah. hears that... She he just she just wants the money. Yeah, it's really tragic. I mean, we don't know that much about George Fowler. This but book, she doesn't even say I don't love him. That's true, but she is pretty set on. We're I'm going to divorce him and steal his alimony. You yeah, know? yeah. So. But uh, at least Lila could have said that. Yeah, you know. And but anyway, um, everybody puts it together. She walks out. Everybody's like, how dare you? Yeah. Uh, Because then there's this amazing moment that really tickled me because it was so, there was something so weirdly, like, only in Sweet Valley about it. George makes this announcement to everybody. My friends, he said calmly, there's been a little change in plans. It appears that, thanks to my daughter's intervention, he hugged Lila and the crowd cheered. Sorry. (laughs) That's the appropriate reaction, I think. (laughs) Thanks to my daughter's intervention, there won't be a wedding ceremony today after all. A sigh of relief went through the crowd. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, I really... uh, Also, just before that happens, the Bordens just walk away. They're like, oh, well, the jig is up. Well, Uh just gonna walk out the door now. It's not like, (laughs) let's talk about this, darling. No, no, no. No. And... And Evan gives Jacqueline a look because he realizes that he can't get money out of Jacqueline. Well, plus, Jacqueline was pretending to be a nice girl to him, just like she was pretending to be nice to everybody else. Yeah. So Evan was duped as well. I mean, he sucks, but he was 
um, tricked into thinking that she was nice. I mean, he defended her to Lila, you yeah. know? He really, she really made him um, a fool. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he did some of that work himself. But yeah. the reason that this is so hilarious, of course, in case it's not obvious, it's just like, <laughs> there's no wedding, hooray! Like, Let's flip this switch. Yeah, like, this terrible thing happened. My heart's completely broken, yeah. but I've processed yeah. it. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> Lila actually does get her wish of like, our fa- my father would never ruin our perfect life together, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no reason to let all this food go to waste. Let's yeah. just have a party in honor of Lila. Yeah. <laughs> who saved my who saved me from alimony. And then in like such a perfectly Lila thing, like I'm ready for this this book to end the way it would end if if this had happened to say Elizabeth, where Lila goes up to Evan and is like confronts him and like tells him off. It gives yeah. him peace of mind. Instead, <laughs> what happens is like only to, like the perfectly Lila version of it, whereas she pretends that she was using him the whole time. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I read that. I loved it because, like, like she could have admitted that she was hurt by him. Right. But that's not Lila's style. Like, no. She has to have the last word. She has to go out. She's like, I've done, like, this whole thing. Yeah. Well, and Bruce is there with Toby, who has won the race that Evan couldn't, has won the race that Evan couldn't be in. And Lila is like, ooh, this Toby fellow, like you said, is pretty attractive as well. Yep. And, um... Didn't see that coming, actually. No, no. Oh, so there, Jessica is toasting with Lila, like, hey, everything worked out to, Mm -hmm. to, like, I'm sorry I didn't see the whole thing going on with this Jacqueline girl. I'm sorry I ever talked to her on the phone and let her borrow your car to come meet me. Like, oh, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Borrowed the lime green triumph. I mean, can you imagine gladiators? Just picture it. I can't because she hasn't even had her 16th birthday. Jessica, <laughs> Lila, I'm so angry I'm calling them the wrong names. Lila is going to go meet her friend somewhere and she goes to get her car. Her car is gone because Jacqueline Jacqueline drove her triumph to the mall to meet Lila's friends at the mall. We did. Oh, we we just skipped right over that. Yeah, that was that's when they were in Hawaii getting engaged. And of course, of course, Jacqueline tells Ava, tells the friends, tells everybody like, like, oh, Lila was so nice. She let me borrow the car. And then Lila's getting congratulated by Ava for like, you know, turning a page or whatever. It's just like, oh, anyway. Honestly, I can't believe that George wasn't mad that this 15-year-old girl basically stole a car. He probably didn't know. Well, but they they were there toasting their engagement when um, Lila came back from meeting Bruce. Oh, and she had to take the bus. She had to take the bus. Oh, the indignity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone like Lila on the bus. <laughs> Even I don't take the bus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, in... Back to the end of the wedding. Back to the end of the wedding. Jessica... Jessica's apologizing. Uh, yeah, she's like, I'm so sorry that I didn't see this. And um, I, everything turned out just as you had planned. You know, even Jessica's like, this is so Lila. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Jessica told Lila, hey, how come you invited Bruce anyway? Everyone knows how much you guys hate each other. Well, in case you haven't noticed, more than half of Sweet Valley is here. We couldn't leave out our favorite rivals, could we? No, I guess not, Jessica said, giggling. Now, where is the guy you were telling me about? Lila craned her neck. She finally located Bruce, standing next to a guy who looked like he had just stepped off a movie set. He was very dark, with chiseled features. Just the kind of guy Lila wouldn't mind getting to know. 
Excuse me, she said to Jessica and Amy, who both dissolved into laughter. So Lila decided it was definitely time to ask Bruce for another favor, since the last one hadn't exactly worked out the way she had planned it. So, <laughs> that turns out to be Toby. Yeah, and, and Bruce is like, hey, Toby, we owe this girl a big favor. So Lila, like, starts, like, hanging around over Toby. She goes over to Evan, and Evan's, of course, who we know is a famously jealous guy, which is ironic. Consider- I mean, of course, yeah, it's considering like... Considering that he, like, he's a butterfly. Yeah, it like, takes one to know one. Kinda, yeah. You know, no wonder he has no faith in anybody's fidelity <laughs> since yeah. he's so willing to double time. So, um... You know, he asks her, like, who's that guy you're hanging over? And she's like, oh, that's Toby Clement, uh, the guy who won the race when you didn't, you know, you dropped out. And she's like, and he's, you know, Lila is so proud because she's like, Evan's gonna, now this is perfect. Evan's gonna think that I was just using him to get to, to help Toby and that my whole scheme to get him to drop out of the race was just to support Toby because I really like Toby and I was using him the whole time. And isn't that perfect? That that's what he's gonna think. Because she doesn't <laughs> want to admit that she actually was duped yeah. and had feelings for this guy. Well, so how did you feel about the ending? You said you, you liked it because it was Lila. Yes. But like, if you were Lila, would that have been more satisfying to you than just telling him off? If I was Lila, I think, I think this is, you know, perfectly Lila. Um, I don't agree because, I don't know, I don't expect a 16-year-old to be so emotionally mature enough to <laughs> admit that, like, hey, you used me and it hurt me. Mm-hmm. But that's who she is. Yeah. I think um, I wanted Evan to have more of a comeuppance than just thinking that he was being used. Do you think that he would learn his lesson with this? I don't know. No, he's he's going to walk away from this thinking, like, girls are liars. You know, like, yeah. like all women are twisting me around. And, like, Jacqueline was a liar. Sonia left me for Bruce. Lila was using me to get to Toby. No, but did he really <laughs> care about Sonia? Because he gave Lila, like, this whole, you know, this whole spiel about Sonia, which we don't know if that's true. I think he probably cared about her to some extent. But then we also learned that Sonia's never been to the racetrack. Well, that's what he says. No, she met all of his friends. And his friends were like, you must be Sonia. And she's like, no, I'm Lila. That's true. That's true. But I think that regardless of how much he really cared about her, like, they were in a relationship. So he's, like, creating this catalog of, like, wrongs. This is, I mean, this is my psychologizing Evan. I feel like now he's got this list of, like, all the girls that misused him when he was a player in all of these, right? He was, sure, Jacqueline lied to him, but he was cheating on Lila with Jacqueline. Um, Sure, Sonia did leave him for Bruce, but largely because he was so angry about her even dancing with Bruce that he ended things with her, you yeah. know? So leaving the door open for Bruce and her to start a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the And the situation with Lila, Lila would have never broken up with Evan if, if she hadn't known that he was cheating with Jacqueline. You know, she they would still so be together today. Into him. Yeah, she well, she was thought she was in love with him, you know? Yeah. And that's rare for Lila. Yeah. It hasn't happened in one of these books before. She, yeah. I mean, she's she... been in lust with some dudes for sure. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I did like the ending and the way that it all came together, like, last minute, like, Hail Mary pass, and, and it works out for her. Yeah. Um, 
Because Lila always gets her way. As the ending for the book that is called Superstar, Lila's story, it is a very appropriate ending. So I can't complain about that. I was getting toward the end of the book, honestly asking myself, how is this going to work out? Like, I'm... And I've got six more pages, and she still has to figure out how to get rid of the Bordens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really all... I mean, in a book that's over 200 pages long, like a full, like, you know, quarter or third of a book more than usual, and yeah. it all comes down to the end. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. It was just like a, a dumb... It was like the whole 199 pages were leading up to this moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it all just, you know, dominoes. It all just came together. And um, I actually really liked that because it was very much Lila. It, it gave me the same feeling the end of a Hallmark movie does. Like Totally. It all came together. Power yeah. of friendship. Well, how <laughs> appropriate for the holiday season. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of the holiday season, it's just a very fitting way to end this. Phys- we both have a physical copy of this book. Because it's a special edition and you can't get ebooks of that, um, the very end of this this book ends again with this Sweet Valley wants to know, what's your New Year's resolution? They're having this New Year's resolution contest. And uh, pretty, pretty great. How are you planning to start the 1990s, Marissa? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I thought about it when I got to this page. And I'm like, okay, 1989, I was I was seven. Um, and all I really cared about was who framed Roger Rabbit. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think, how did I start the 90s? Um, I th- I had resolved to draw more. And I think mm-hmm. as I start 2022, I should have the same resolution. Yeah. Um, My family started the 90s by moving to the Indiana suburbs. Um, so that's, that's not a New Year's resolution that where? I have. From uh, Chicago. Okay. Proper. Okay. So I... Uh, that's not my plan for 2022. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. I like being neighbors. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to clean my studio, uh, a.k.a. my room. That's my big resolution, to try uh, not to uh, live in squalor. <laughs> I'm, Honestly, I'm exaggerating, gladiators. But you know how it is. It's like you have this room. You spent. We spend our whole lives now working from home in the same room. And now it's my recording studio, too. And it's just like all my stuff is in here. I live in an apartment. I have more stuff than fits in the amount of space that I have. And I need to deal with that. That's my resolution. Honestly, oh, you haven't seen my... Because I moved just down yeah. the street three months ago. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I'm yeah. like, I need to... I need... Why do I have all this stuff, number one? Yeah. Um, and I, I need to put them in places. And it's really hard to get rid of stuff. You know, urban millennial problems. What can you say? <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, well, so did this book, you read this book as a girl. I did. Um, did you remember what happened in it? Like, was I it? I didn't. Cool. Very cool. Um, it, I really thought, um, cause like in my fan fiction, which I remember more. Oh yes, let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> um, in my fan fiction, which I remember more than the story itself, she loses her riches for a minute. Ooh. Um, and she has to figure out. Uh, yeah, I know, 10-year-old Marissa. Um, <laughs> like, um, she has to figure out how to live without her riches. But, of course, she, like, gets it all back at the end, you That know? sounds awesome. Yeah, so I really thought that I was inspired by that mm-hmm. in this book. And I forgot just how rich she was, number one. Um, when they start talking about Fowler Crest, I started thinking, like, oh, yeah, um, 
you know, they talk about they talk about the name of the place where she lives, and that should say something about how rich she is mm-hmm. when you live in a place that has a name, um, especially when it's named after you. Yeah. Um, when I was a girl, I was really impressed by what she was, by, like, she was mm. richer than the Wakefields, mm-hmm. and the Wakefields wanted to be like her. Well, Jessica, sure. at least, wanted to be like her. So I think that as far as, far as the Sweet Valley Totem goes... Oh, yeah. Um... That said a lot and about why I admired her so much. If these, like, perfect blue-eyed angel girls looked up to Lila for some reason, so much so that they kind of have to break her down when they're with her. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're so rich. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's so hard being so rich. And then we <laughs> we go into her life, and yeah, it is kind of hard. <laughs> she's got her own problems. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. she's, not, she's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But she likes to put up the persona that she's perfect, and um, that made her far she, more. Relatable. She'd be great on Instagram. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, totally. Lila Fowler definitely is an influencer, even though she doesn't need the money. Brunch with Daddy. Hashtag <laughs> salmon. <laughs> hashtag cold poached salmon. Hashtag all the sauces. <laughs> That's that's awesome. Well, we have a few bits of business to take care of before the episode is over. Um, so, first things first, we did not talk about the cover of the book, oh. largely because it's very simple. Uh, it's just a picture of Lila Fowler looking out. But the look on her face, she's she's like, I am better than you. Yes. Uh, Lila Fowler is... Uh, With her soft Pantene Pro-V hair. Uh, yes. And she, she, like, upside down, like, I'm looking at yours upside down right now, and she... Uh, looks really sad, but right side up, she just looks like pure, like, I mean business. Like, don't fuck with me. I'm Lila Fowler. Yeah. Uh, also, Jennifer Connelly was the model for young Lila Fowler, which is why Lila Fowler looks so much like Jennifer Connelly. Like, so just picture Lila Fowler in Labyrinth, how about? Yeah, less (laughs) eyebrows (laughs) than Jennifer Connelly, and she's completely Lila Fowler. I think that's real. I don't think that's just a myth. I'm pretty sure that's a real fact. Yeah. You heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) Or maybe not. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. making a thing. Yeah. (laughs) She's wearing a beautiful purple turtleneck, probably cashmere, because Lila. With black pearls. Black pearls. Yes. The finest kind of pearl presumably <laughs> <laughs> and um all right more, so, more rare than your yeah. usual pearl necklace yeah and the superstar books have a pretty star on the cover <laughs> and it's appropriate that lila is the first superstar because she's lila yeah um i also gotta say i appreciate as someone who does design work from time to time i appreciate the font choices of mm-hmm. um the italic superstar above the bold yeah. serif Font yeah, this Lila's story cover has fully three different serif fonts on it, but that's okay. They are all serving their purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all right, so that's one thing. Uh, there has been some significant Sweet Valley news recently, which is that there is uh, officially now a Sweet Valley series in development that's for the CW from the people that made Gossip Girl. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. Uh, if uh, anybody at CW is listening to this, I have a uh, master's degree in screenwriting and uh, I'm an experienced screenwriter with a history as a uh, writer's room assistant on Dude, TV. Dude, you guys so. would be so 
It's, uh, come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I have said, had put out they many opinions. Miss mm-hmm. to not have yeah. you at least consult. Get You've on read it, 61 guys. of these books. <laughs> <laughs> Even more if you got the super special. Right. But I have uh, gone on the record on this show many times over the years over, like, how I would do the Sweet Valley series. I don't know what the show will be like, um, if it will come to fruition. Uh, but I do know that the CW seems like the right place for it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I could be flexible, you know, in my tone. You should too. at least have a walk-on role. Come on. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I could play Robin Wilson before. <laughs> <laughs> Proudly. They're not going to cover that. That's not going to happen. If that, oh my God. Um, you do remember. Lois Waller. How about I could be Lois Waller? <laughs> Lois Waller, who? I don't know. Who? She's a background character at this point. She'll she'll get her book at some point, I'm sure. I am. I, I, I am 38 years old. That could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I can play young, whatever, whatever. Uh, you know, I know some people that play teenagers. Are you on gonna TV. be the? You could be the French teacher. <laughs> Ooh, Marie. Je parle un peu de français. All that. <laughs> All right. Last bit of business is that uh, Sweet Valley Diaries will return in 2022, of course, Huzzah! with uh, with season seven. I am aiming at late January. Depends a little bit on the guests here, everybody. Um, I really appreciate how many people have reached out to say they're eagerly awaiting the show's return. I am too. Um, if you ever wondered why I take these hiatuses, many podcasts uh, just keep going. They just keep pressing through week after week. Uh, this is a show that requires a lot of logistics on my end, and it is, of course, a passion project. Um, not only do I not have any sponsors or ads, uh, it's a super indie show, but um, I it actually costs me money to make the show. Not that I save any money by not doing it, but, you know, I love it. It's my passion project. These paper books ain't free. These paper <laughs> books, you gotta pay, yeah, you gotta pay for the for the physical copy of the Super Editions. So, um, I will certainly be working on a way uh, to try and um, allow fans of the show to support the show, to support my work, and hopefully, um, if that is something that can uh, have some legs, uh, then hiatuses can be shorter and less frequent or perhaps even non-existent in the future. We'll see how it goes. But I really, really appreciate you for listening. And I really want to say a huge thank you to everybody that has told a friend about the show. I think that's the best thing you can do. I think the show is a weird sell. I have said from the beginning that I wanted it to be a show where people who didn't know anything about Sweet Valley could listen and enjoy it. And I know that some of you who are listening to the show don't know anything about Sweet Valley and listen and enjoy it. But I feel like it's a hard buy-in if you don't remember the series. I know from my statistics that people go back to show number one and listen from the beginning. That's awesome. But like any podcast, the show has gotten a lot better <laughs> over the four years. It's actually, this month is the four-year anniversary of Sweet Valley Diaries. Thank you very much. So, you know, tell a friend, try to tell the internet and the world that they don't have to start at the beginning at all. They could start here and listen backwards. That's a fun way to listen to serialized podcasts. Then you're already in love with the show by the time you get to the beginning. Um, stay tuned. I will let everyone know when there is an opportunity to uh, support the show financially, should you so desire. And uh, until then, I wish everybody the happiest of 2022s. I feel like they should leave comments about what their New Year's resolution 
is for 2022. Yeah. Or to let us know how you started 19 the 1990s. <laughs> how you started the 1990s <laughs> would be great as well. So you can uh, do that by going to Instagram, uh, where this show is at Sweet Valley Diaries. Uh, or you can also follow and comment about these things on Twitter at Sweet Valley. Sweet Valley Diaries is oh, randomly TikTok on too. TikTok. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I have had the TikTok experience where you're just kind of like messing around and then all of a sudden you have a random post that has like a thousand likes or whatever and you're like, I didn't do anything to make this happen. This is weird. And I got a <laughs> bunch of randos on there who were like trying to tell me what happens in the book I'm talking about. I'm like, guys, I know. <laughs> There's a podcast. Just, Listen to it. Right. <laughs> but that's fun. So we'll see if that ever happens again. But okay. um, We should TikTok right now yeah <laughs> i think that i am pretty sure that uh, at least some part of this conversation is gonna wind up on tiktok sweet but yeah you should really actually do all of the boy descriptions Ooh, that's a great idea okay so look for that i think uh, my tiktok handle is flaxbart which is my last name because like i said didn't really plan on uh, becoming a sweet valley tiktoker but that sweet valley takes over every aspect of one's sweet life valley talk yes uh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet Valley Talk. It's a corner of, of TikTok. <laughs> it's very small, which is probably how I ended up with people finding my post and leaving comments that say things like, oh my gosh, I remember these books. Yeah, nostalgia goes a long way. <laughs> yes. I remember them too. And so do you, Marissa. Thank you for the walk down memory lane. Oh, I'm so glad you were game. Oh, I'm always game. And what lesson did we take away from this one to leave the gladiators with? You can never be too Lila. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you can never be too rich, too beautiful, or too Lila Fowler. <laughs> and I feel like I should live my life in the same way. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll check back in at yes. uh, the end of next year and see how your year of Lila has gone. <laughs> uh, two Marissas are thanking you for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Is this the same Marissa you talked to last yeah. time? Yeah, are there two? Two Marissa with Selleck's and one is a Stewart too? All right. I did say that I meet a lot of Marissas, but that would be truly strange. The only other, Mar- like, that woman who works for Yahoo, the VP of Yahoo. Whatever, sure. That's the only other Marissa. Marissa, I was um, like, ooh, Yahoo. Marissa too? <laughs> Yahoo Marissa. <laughs> Mar- Marissa Yahoo. She's of the Yahoos. Uh, you know. <laughs> of, the, of the Philadelphia Yahoos and the Boston Yahoos. Um, okay. <laughs> There's a part in the book like that. Marissa Meyer. Marissa Meyer. Marissa Meyer. I didn't Google it, everybody. I just remembered it. I'm, like, acting like this is a part of the podcast. Okay. Well, no, you got your brain, your talking Yay! brain on. That's how you know you're ready. Yeah, I remembered Marissa Meyer. Yes. And I made a joke about last names. <laughs> we're Now we're firing we're on rolling. all cylinders we're here. I'm ready. Okay, ready? Yes. Let's do this.